This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. I'm your host. My name is Art Wiederman. I'm a dental-specific CPA located in Southern California, and we're recording this podcast on a beautiful um, Tuesday afternoon in late September. And, you know, one of the topics that I have always been passionate about is entrepreneurship and leadership. And, you know, it's funny, a lot of dentists, they don't want to hear about entrepreneurship and leadership. They want to, it's just not, it's not really bright or sexy or anything like that. But my guest today is um, Chelsea Myers, who is a leadership development life coach. And I've gotten to know Chelsea and the information that she has to share with you today about your practice and your life and 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 your brain. We're going to get into your brain, folks. So if you have any problems listening to things about your brain, you better get ready because we're going to do some really cool stuff uh, with Chelsea and we'll get to Chelsea in, in a couple minutes. Um, but again, I want to thank everybody for the um, honor and privilege of, the, of your time and listening to our podcast. Again, we have thousands of listeners every month and we get calls and emails and thank you. I got a you got a guy who called me the other day and he said, he said, Art, I started, I found your podcast and I can't stop listening. I said, geez, you need to get some hobbies or something. And he says, no, 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 it's, it's really good stuff. And, and and we are very proud of what we've done. Um, part of uh, our success is our wonderful, wonderful partnership with Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, which is uh, www.decisionsindentistry.com. It's a clinical magazine for those of you who are new to the podcast. Uh, You can actually uh, purchase up to 140 incredible clinical continuing education courses for a very, very reasonable price. They've got articles from the top clinicians in the world uh, on their website and in their magazine. So please, uh, if you're not um, looking at the website or getting their magazine, please go to www.decisionsanddentistry.com. Uh, we are now in late September. So folks, um, not sure if this podcast is going to come on before or after October 15th. It's going to be right around there, but your personal tax returns are due on final extension for 2021 and uh, by October the 15th. 
And then we get into planning season. The one thing I want to tell you is that if you have a CPA and you are not sitting down at the end of the year, uh, November, December, with that C- with your CPA and figuring out where you're at, where can we save some money and how much money do we put in a retirement plan and what kind of equipment do we need to buy and, and get in service this year? Um, one thing you need to think about, folks, is this. If you're thinking that you're just going to call your equipment rep and get a new operatory put in on December the 29th, you might want to check with them now because there's supply chain issues that I'm hearing about that sometimes it's taken months uh, to get equipment. So if you're planning on some equipment to be placed in service in your office before the end of the year, you might want to start a little earlier rather than later because, you know, the, the the dental supply companies, the Henry Shines, the Pattersons, the Bencos of the world, they know at the end of the year they got to be ready. But we got a different animal going on here. And if you need a dental CPA, uh, we're here for you. Uh, Ide Bailey, uh, I'm a dental division director at Ide Bailey. And uh, my phone number, direct phone number is 657 279 3243. That's 657 279 3243. And my email is a Wiederman, W I E D E R M A N, at Ide Bailey, E I D E B A I L L Y.com. Uh, give me a call if you need some help. We are also that represent over 10,000 dentists, and that's www.adcpa.org. Be sure to check out our new Ide Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. All right, let's uh, let's get to our topic today. I'm really excited. I love talking about leadership and entrepreneurship. I mean, one of the things we do at the ADCPA is we want to promote the private practice of dentistry and helping doctors to be the best that they can be. And Chelsea Myers is the person that is going to help you to learn about this. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Chelsea is the CEO and founder at Dental Life Coach. She is also a fellow podcaster. Her, uh, She is the host of the Dental Brain Crops podcast. I'm going to have to ask her how she came up with the name uh, in a second. Uh, DLC's purpose is to optimize the health, happiness, and success of dental entrepreneurs and executives. She started her um, career at Wells Fargo Bank. Um, she fell in love with the dental community. She has partnered in some dental businesses. Uh, she continued coaching and spent the next few years learning, designing, and refining her coaching tools to best serve entrepreneurial dentists. Uh, Chelsea's programs proved themselves highly valuable and successful, pushing her focus entirely towards the growth uh, that her company has recognized. And she leads a team of incredibly talented individuals who uh, personify dental life coaches' dedication to making exceptional, enriching lives accessible to all dentists. That sounds really cool, Chelsea. Welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Thanks, Art. Thanks for having me on the show. So you've been uh, you've been a coach. How long has your company... Uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about your company. How long have you been coaching dentists? 
Yeah. So I've been coaching for almost a decade. And really, what's really fascinating is um, COVID was actually kind of a turning point where we just really started picking up some steam with everybody trying to figure out what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. So it's been an exciting couple of years. Yeah. And and, and what I found is that COVID gave dentists an opportunity that most of us professionals don't get. You don't get an opportunity to just say, you know, I want to take eight to 12 weeks off and think about what I want to do the rest of my life. That's kind of what this did, didn't it? <laughs> For everyone, yeah. And and so did you get a lot of people? What what were some of the questions? I mean, we're going to get into what you do here in a minute and, and how we can help our doctors. But what were some of the big questions you got through COVID? I mean, what y- your clients are calling you up. My office is shut down. Um, life is over as we know it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have my final meal. I mean, what, what were they telling you? What were they asking you? Yeah, you know, it was a great time for us all to take our own temperature on our ability to handle unprecedented um, situations that are highly intense and without really a timeline that we can predict, right? And so a lot of the questions were circulating around, what do I do? How do I know if that's what I really want to do? And when do I do it? And is this anxiety ever going to go away? <laughs> yeah, right. Am I ever going to go back to work again? And it's right. scary. I mean, you, you've got somebody who's got, you know, a, a, a spouse, a significant other, children, mortgage. I mean, and now you just said, you can't make any income right now. We're going to stop you. And um, so I would think that that you were very busy during the pandemic and very much doing some crisis management, right? <laughs> it was an exciting time. It really was. But, you know, some really incredible things. I'm sure we could just spend the whole hour on that. Um, we can. Came out of Came out of COVID and some really fantastic results that our clients were able to see. And so um, I'm glad we were able to to guide in that time. Well, I'm sure we'll hit them as we go along here. So why don't you tell us a little bit, Chelsea, about your journey and how you got to dental life coach and where you are today? Yeah, thank you. You know, um, building dental life coach has really been an extension of me and a lot of my own personal journey. Um, Looking back, I demonstrated a propensity for entrepreneurial interests from a really young age. I can remember making things to sell and designing things, spending time daydreaming new ideas. So it's not a shock to me now that I ended up owning and building businesses. But it wasn't the direction that I thought I was going as I headed into college. In fact, I can recall many conversations with my parents who had worked really hard and strategized carefully to provide for my siblings and I, and they made ends meet and cared for us well, but it didn't leave a lot of room for extras. And so their advice was to do really well in school and choose a career path that promised a comfortable income. Specifically, I remember them suggesting law, medicine, and accounting. So Art, they'd be very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I actually wanted to be a sportscaster. Oh, um, well, <laughs> but, but, then, the, 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 but then I <laughs> figured the out I was really good at numbers. And but anyway, but that's good. I'm glad your parents would be proud of me. <laughs> um, and, you know, I didn't really find school especially hard. Um, I wasn't always interested in the subjects that I was required to learn. And so my grades normally reflected those subjects. But I, I did pretty well without having to work up a sweat. 
but when I was 16 years old, I came home from school and I was surprised to find my mom and my uncle in the living room. And I was surprised because my mom was normally at work at that time and her brother, my uncle, lived across town. So I became immediately excited, anticipating what spur of the moment family gathering we might be having. And the gathering I quickly learned was in response to the news that my dad had been in a fatal car accident that morning. And all of a sudden, my siblings and I were down one parent. And it was shocking and traumatic and sad and everything that you can imagine, particularly for kids. And we were fortunate to have family that rallied around us and we had a lot of supports in place, but it was a time of incredible change and a lot of unknowns and intense emotions. And some of my coping mechanisms were really similar to what a lot of us do when something catches us off guard, whether it's big or small. I threw myself into things that I was doing 200%. So when it came to school, I really did school. And when it came to work, I was overworking. When it came to workouts and dieting, I was intensely committed. And what I understand and can see now is that I was doing the things I knew how to do in part to distract myself from thinking about and feeling the things that I didn't have a playbook for. Well, and you were 16 years old, Chelsea. That's a very, for a 16-year-old boy or girl, I mean, that is a very delicate age just in general. And to lose a parent uh, at that point so suddenly had to be very traumatic for you. It was... It was unbelievable. Um, Now, I'm a reader and I have to be interested in what I'm studying. But if I'm interested, I love absorbing information and using my imagination and expanding my mind. So over the next couple of years in my early adult life, I came across self-help books. And one of the literary loves of my life is this book called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And in that book, I learned that I had the ability to design my experiences based on the way that I think. And I would read something in the book and try it, and it would work. And then I would test some of the theories they describe, and they'd work. And this led me to read and research more similar types of materials. And I was just fascinated with this in my, you know, in my uh, spare time. So I went on to study business finance, kind of a nice combination of my deep desire to build and own my own things while focusing, you know, closely enough on my parents' counsel by adding the financial component. <laughs> and um, I began working at Wells Fargo Bank where one of my major accomplishments was the implementation of some process changes um, to a group within a business banking department. And when I took that position, one of my very first days, um, a nearby manager came up to me and she was like, well, good luck with that. And I thought, well, huh, that's an interesting welcome. (laughs) Yeah, really? Uh, And I quickly learned that what she was referring to was that these were going to be stark changes, ones that were going to be uncomfortable to a group of people who were really intelligent, good at what they, you know, were doing, and they had been doing it for a really long time. So, um, what I wasn't expecting in taking the position was that there was going to be a significant amount of what I've now learned is called uh, professional coaching um, to implement the processes. And what 
started out as kind of a rocky situation, had me going home at night, rereading things that I'd read that had helped me through tough times and remembering what I'd learned about the mind and how it works and even studying and grabbing onto new information to make it most relevant to the individuals I was working with. And over the course of a year, we just had an absolutely successful project rollout. Um, But not only that, it was a much more cohesive and um, I would say almost electrifying team. So much so that a nearby manager on that we shared the floor with came up to me one day and he was like, what are you doing with that team over there? We're all noticing and can I learn it too? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. You can, I'll tell you what I'm kind of doing to implement this project. And I worked with him for a bit and he was like, you know, you've got to meet this dentist buddy of mine. He's been talking about something similar and um, he's got to practice in town and he's got to meet you. And so I started working with his dental friend and that was just a fantastic professional marriage because I got to um, engage with him and help him get the transformation he was looking for while learning an industry of absolutely phenomenal people that I haven't left since. It is. It is. A, and then, I mean, I've spent 38 years in this industry and uh, I, I'm so glad that my my life uh, journey uh, pointed me towards the dental profession. So and you're absolutely right. But let's get into this some. So I know that you've spent a lot of time learning and researching things relating to the brain. Mm-hmm. Why is this important? Maybe this is a good place you know, as far as program development. Why, why is this important? Yeah. So the more that we understand ourselves, the more we can understand the people that we're working with, right? And so my my clients are um, leading teams of people that they're hoping are going to be moving in the same direction, uh, working towards the same goals, which requires a lot of alignment. But in order to achieve that type of goal, you've got to be someone that people want to be led by. And one of the most important things we need to understand is our brains, how they operate, their unique individual strengths, our default responses to things, and most importantly, how to reprogram the things that aren't working for us. So we're concerned at Dental Life Coach with optimal efficiency and real-world function. And research regarding neuroplasticity continues to clarify that the brain and behavior are shapeable both by interaction and conscious programming. And that's one thing that when I talk to doctors about leadership and about being the leader of a team, they go, well, I'm, I'm not good. And, and I, I've, I've talked to lots of people and you're just verifying that this is something that can be taught and can be changed is what you're telling me, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So with, with the with getting using the the um, neuroplasticity and everything, I mean, this kind of leads us into what makes a good leader. What what makes a good leader? Because lead, and again, I don't think leadership is you have to read thirty books and then you're a good leader. I mean, a lot of it is likability. A lot of it is is like you just said, is being, you know, being someone that someone wants, someone somebody believes in, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, first of all, you got to know what your own definition of a leader is. And I think when we're all starting out, we have mentors and we have coaches or uh, teachers, whomever around us that we look up to and we grab pieces of their leadership style or 
components of their personality that we we want to emulate and be more like, right? But at some point, we've got to come up with our own self-definition of what a good leader is um, because other people are moving targets. They're always growing too. And so we've got to figure out what it is we're trying to be and measure ourselves against that. Okay. So that's that's right there takes a lot of work getting really clear on who I am and what I am. It's actually easier for me to be like, I just want to be like art because then it's all on you. <laughs> no, you don't uh, want to be like art. art. You really don't want to be like art. <laughs> well, I don't know. I hear pretty you don't, don't want to be art. like art. No, no. I mean, I, mean I, I hit a couple of good, good golf shots at the range, but other than that, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, yeah. See, um, my handicap is just embarrassing. So this is, this is already why I want to be like you. But <laughs> no, my, my, my joke is that my handicap is my golf game, but no, I, it's getting a yeah. lot better. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, it is. I mean, if people... Everybody, do you think everybody has someone they look up to? It could be a parent. It could be a, um, you know, someone that could be in dentistry. It could be a Gordon Christensen type of a person. I mean, it could be uh, Mr. Dr. Panky. I mean, it could be all those things. Um, but that that's, a, is it important that someone has someone that they can emulate? I think it's important that someone has a goal to grow and develop. And so if we decide that we are, great just with everything exactly as it is, I actually feel like that's a great recipe to go backwards because you're never going to stay or plateau. You're either moving forwards or you're moving away from the level of um, development and involvement that you could have as a human, as a leader, as a dental professional um, in all directions. We've got to be growing and aspiring towards more. And that that's a great, Chelsea, that's a great point because a lot of people get complacent as owners, not just dentists, all business owners. And, you know, you, you never want to do that. If the day you become complacent, the day you stop marketing, the day you stop learning, the day you stop growing is the day your business, in my opinion, starts to die. So why, I mean, that's a big part of what you and I are talking about today. I mean, business owners need to be adaptable to change, don't they? I mean, why is that, uh, you know, why is that important? Yeah. Well, you know, in, especially in dental, our environments are fast-paced and multifaceted. So we're constantly observing and concluding and our brains are suggesting action based on our perception and programming. And like you mentioned, we want to increase our ability to be flexible and adaptable so that our responses are aligned with our ultimate goals. And for my clients and most people that I talk to, that includes leading highly productive teams to propel the success of their business or organization. I don't actually believe most people don't want to grow or don't want to improve. I believe they have recognized that's easier. So, so some of the aspects of 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 a um, you know change and transition that you coach people on. In other words, you come into an office and you mm-hmm. talk to a doctor. And that doctor is, they're calling you because something is wrong. That Their mm-hmm. business is not doing well. They don't feel right. They don't feel like their team, my team isn't doing a good job. So where do you start with somebody? I mean, where, where do you, what are you looking for when you're talking to somebody to see how you can change them? I mean, how do we, how do we start this conversation about change? So at Dental Life Coach, everything has been designed around health, happiness, and success. Because I'm not guessing, I know that if one of those three things is lacking, the other two eventually get held back and something snaps or breaks. I like to use the visual of a rubber band on three prongs. 
And if only two of those prongs are moving forward, the immovable prong begins to cause tension and tightening until it either needs to become a strong focal point that we solve for or becomes the reason that the other two areas aren't advancing to their potential. So when we're working with clients, we are heavily invested in creating um, solutions around their individual needs. And so that takes a conversation to assess. Sometimes people know exactly what's holding them back. Maybe this is um, their communication style. Maybe this is um, their inability to try and fail and continue to sustain their motivation to move forward. Sometimes they don't know what it is. Um, It's not uncommon, particularly with our younger dentists to say, I don't actually know what I want. I just know that I'm not feeling fulfilled. And so that takes a little bit more discovery. So some of the things, and I was reading on on, on some of the stuff uh, and we were talked about earlier is, talk about a dentist being more present. Do you find that dentists are not I mean, they come in, They sometimes I have dentists, give me my handpiece, give me my lunch, give me my paycheck, leave me alone, and I'm good, right? That, that That's not the best way to do this. So how about being, How is how can a dentist be more present in their practice? So it's got to come from the dentist. Um, so if the dentist is noticing that he or she is lacking connection, then we can work on that. Um, But if they're not noticing that we need to work on self-awareness and really self-awareness is so incredibly powerful because once we become aware of what we're thinking and can see how what we're thinking impacts how we're feeling and acting towards others, we are in a whole different seat of control to change and improve and develop, right? But if we're not aware of it yet, then sometimes those conversations come from, um, you know, regionals or um, stakeholders saying, hey, we've got something we need to work with here. And so can we have a training or a conversation about connection and communication? So a, a lot of times I see that dentists just are not good communicators and their teams know what they can do and what they can't do, and they're not all in, and they don't have a leader. So when you when you get a client and you see that they've got communication issues or mm-hmm. personal, I mean, where do you start with them? What what do you do? Do you have them read a book? Do you give them? I mean, you you sit down and really get into their life, and how, how do you how do you do a little bit about what you do? We actually have, yeah, I have um, a really robust LMS system. So we've got video and we've got interactive courses. We have um, training modules and workbooks. I do have people read books from time to time. I'm going through two different book studies right now, which is fantastic for me (laughs) because I get to revisit these concepts and see where my areas of opportunity are as a leader. Um, But, you know, it really... If a, if, a, if a doctor says, I'm not a good communicator or I'm having trouble leading my team, um, some indicators of that are going to be a, a team that's not um, cohesive or consistently responsive. Sometimes it means we've got retention issues. Really, what we want to do is we want to increase revenue. We want to increase retention. We want to... Um, improve the culture of our organizations and ultimately increase the doctor's take home. And sometimes I, I find that a doctor needs to be a little vulnerable and say, listen, I'm, I, I, I want to be a better leader. I need your help. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of times just asking for the team's help goes a long way, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, I think that um, everybody in the, you know, in the leadership realm is familiar with Brene Brown at this point. And, you know, her bringing to light the power of vulnerability has been just so impactful. If it wasn't already on our radar, it sure is now. And when you humanize your approach with your team members, um, it doesn't mean that you that you murky the waters of, you know, the org chart. It means that you're creating connection and saying, hey, I know how to do this and I'm working on this other thing. You know, I was talking with Pat Bauer the other day, the CEO of Heartland Dental, and we were talking about the pandemic and he was very candid with his team and said, I do, you know, I don't know how to do, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to put every bit of effort that I have into figuring it out and taking care of this company. And that's what I, they did. And and that, well, Heartland's, uh, they've got a couple hundred, <laughs> close to a thousand offices. They may even be a th- over a thousand now. It's a, a huge, huge, huge dental company. And so, you know, Chelsea, I wanted you to take a second. And folks, I want to make this comment. Um, we talk about all kinds of things on this podcast. We talk about saving taxes. We talk about retirement. But at the end of the day, in your dental practice, if you want to be successful, I have been convinced for 38 years, 38 years that I've been a dental CPA, that being a good leader, and I learned it myself through when I was with the Pride Institute from Jim Pride and Phil Whitener for you gray hairs like me, um, I learned about leadership and I learned about uh, you know being a leader. And it, it it's not rocket science i'm not trying to you know put down what what Chelsea, it's not it it's 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 just doing the right things and knowing how to do it and if there's something going on in your practice in your life that is holding your practice back from being everything that it could be to where you can go into your office every day and say oh my god i'm so excited to be here as opposed to maybe some of you go Oh, what's going to happen today? Is Susie at the front desk going to have another (laughs) meltdown? Are we going to have a terrible patient who's going to be mad at her profile? I mean, if that's where you're at, I I want you to think about maybe having a conversation with Chelsea. So Chelsea, tell us a little bit about your company, how you work and what uh, if if people want to get a hold of you to just have a conversation about what's going on in their life. How does that work? Yeah, you know, um, I would say probably the best thing to do is just let's let's hop on a call and see where you're at. And um, I either will help you know what we can do to help you or make a strong recommendation of um, someone else that could maybe do a better job. I want to make sure that we're taking care of our people um, in the industry. But my website is www.dentallife.coach. And uh, my email is chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A at dentallife.coach. I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, some other things, so you can reach out to me in any of those any of those departments, and I'll uh, I'll make sure that we take care of you. Is there, do you want to just give those out? Do you want to give out a phone number or just just the the website and the um, and the email? Is that good? Really, I think the email would be most effective. Perfect. Okay, so guys, if you have a if you have a question, something doesn't feel right, you want to talk something through. Uh, this lady is, I mean, I, the more I've gotten to know her, the more I just really like talking to her because she's just really smart and knows how to take things in different directions. I'm required by law to say that my guests are smarter. They just push the <laughs> shut off button, right? And stuff like that. So so there you go. Uh, Chelsea, let's get into stress, overwhelm and stress. And, and obviously, as we talked a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, uh, I mean, 
there has never been higher stress, I don't think, than what this pandemic caused. And I don't want to get into a whole thing about the pandemic unless you, unless you want to take it that way. That's fine with me. But, you know, you, you talk about overwhelm and stress. And so when you work with a dentist uh, who, who's in overwhelm, there's stress. It could be financial stress. It could be marital stress. It could be staff stress that every time they come in, they don't even want to look at their team because they don't like them. I mean, you, you see that too. So, um, you know, regarding overwhelm and stress, when you work with an entrepreneur, you know, what are some roots that you find? Some of the things that I see, um, the first one that came to mind as you were mentioning all of those different examples is just the way that we sometimes compound our own stress by overthinking or thinking things that aren't necessarily true. And so if I, let's take the team, for example, if I'm frustrated and stressed out and I don't like my team and I think that and I think about that enough, it's going to become a really negative environment that I'm dwelling in, right? Because we all live in our own heads. And so um, the next time that I see those team members, it's highly probable because of the way that the brain functions that it's going to be looking for pieces of examples and evidence to support the belief I have that this is not a likable team. And everything that they do wrong or everything they don't do right or everything that could be done better is going to jump out at me. And so not to negate from the fact that there may be actual and genuine reasons in our lives that things are um, less peaceful than we like, what I'm saying is we can make it worse depending on where we're placing our focus. You know, one thing I like to do is just question, is that even true? Like, do I even know why I don't like these people? Like, why are they irritable to me? Why are they frustrating? And do I want to keep thinking about that? Is that even true about them? You know, and sometimes the answer is yes. The, you know, they're this, this, this. I, I, I don't really have a desire to be around those people any more than I want to be around those people. So then the solution would be to redirect how often I'm thinking about that because it doesn't feel good and it puts me in a negative environment, right? But you, yeah, you're right. But you have to figure out, I mean, it could be that the, do- that the doctor is the problem. And the doctor is the one and that they have a really good team, but that doctor, because of his or her actions, are you know, making it such that that team cannot be the great team that you know it could be. And they really are good people. And the doc- So what do you do when you start talking to someone and the doctor is the problem? How do you approach that? Well, our, this might <laughs> come as a surprise, but... That's usually the problem because that's not a surprise to me. And you can relate to this, I'm sure, because it's true for me, too. When my team isn't performing to the level that I'd prefer, and we're talking about people who I want to keep on the team, right? We're not talking about people who aren't really a good fit for our organization anyway. But if these are people that you want to keep around and they have potential and they're just not measuring up, it looks like. I have some room to do as a leader. I need to look and figure out where do I need to develop as a leader to inspire and encourage the types of growth and behaviors that I'm hoping for in these team members that I've already decided are worth keeping. I remember about 15 years ago, something was not going right in my CPA practice. And I've told this story on the podcast, I believe. 
Uh, when you, when you've done almost 200 podcasts, you don't remember what you said <laughs> from one that you know, being a podcaster. Yeah. Um, but I went to this uh, dentist uh, CPA's boot camp back in uh, upstate New York, mm-hmm. and I, I finally realized that I needed to make some changes. I needed to come back, and I needed to be a better leader. And I needed to have a plan. And I came back and I put a plan together. And you know what happened? Because the first time I ever did it, my team stood up and applauded. They said, it, it, they almost said like, Art, it's about time that you did this. And then we started building and the business did well and all this kind of stuff. And um, it, was, it was really, really, really great. Um, so when you have a doctor who, who they are the problem, are you able to get through to them and say, doctor, you know, it's not your team. We need to work on you. And do they get that? And if they don't get that, what can we do to make them get that? Yeah. You know what? They actually do. Um, I work with some absolutely fantastic individuals. And what I have found over the years of working with people and just, um, you know, when you were introducing me at the beginning, you talked about refining and designing my programs. I think that um, I've gotten to the point where I understand best how to say things, how um, they're best received by people. But the people that I'm working with, they want to improve. They're coming to us because they want to know, how can I reach that next level? And so for the most part, we've got people who are um, looking for those types of conversations to take place. And in these coaching conversations, they're not only learning about themselves, but as they develop, they're learning how to then approach others in a way that still uh, cultivates that environment of trust that we need to have in our teams for people to feel safe developing. I would also imagine that when you do your work, Chelsea, a lot of the information you get from talking to the dental team gives you a lot of insight that the doctor might not share with you. Does that happen a lot? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes there's interesting perspectives that aren't being picked up on. And so we can help create clarity and uh, help people um, develop a wider repertoire of questions they can ask or ways to answer that feels comfortable to them, but is still um, bringing to light the important issues and opening up channels of communication that need to exist for those transformations to take place on the teams. And and I have found, and you can comment on this, that most teams, when you present change that's positive and that's good for the practice, that most teams will embrace it. And the great thing about a process like what you take your clients through is don't you find out who the bad apples are? In other words, people go, <laughs> well, you know, uh, everything is fine the way it is because I get to come in, fill a seat, do nothing for eight hours and get a paycheck. Um, they don't quite say it that way, but that's what they do. But doesn't this process that you put your clients through, Chelsea, doesn't it really allow you to, to find out who the real great team players are and who the the people who need an exit strategy are, doesn't that, doesn't that, uh, isn't that what happens? It is, you know, um, people want to be a part of something that's moving and growing in the direction that they hope to personally. Right. And I was just, I'm smiling as you say this, because there's um, a client that's been working with us for several months now, and she has just made absolutely outstanding progress as a doctor, as a leader, as a professional. I mean, she is going places. I'm so excited for her. I'd want to hire her. 
And as she's been going through these changes, her team has just transformed. And it's just been so exciting. And every time I talk with her, there's just this new cool thing that's happening, except for with that one girl. And that one girl seems to be... She's now at the, at the point where she's like, I think I've got to let her go. And she's really struggling with this because she's had this team member for a really long time. And we were having the conversation that, you know... That team member may have been a a great fit when she came on years ago because of where everyone else was at. But now as you've grown and up-leveled as a leader and as your team has grown and developed, if that's not who and what she wants to participate in, if that's not what she's about and it's not going to motivate her to come to work each day, um, one of two things happens. Either she starts to taint the culture and we start seeing resentment build up amongst team members who are wondering why that person's not pulling their weight, why they're dragging the team down, why they're allowed to do that, or she leaves. And so this, you know, we've got to make those decisions sometimes. But really, um, even th- in that conversation, we were able to... There's silver lining in all of it, isn't there? Because oh yeah, even if this team member leaves, she will have been a better... She'll, she'll, she's leaving a better person having been a part of this team. She's had access to the guidance and training. She's had access to um, the coaching with not only did a life coach, but just other supports that have been put in place over the years. And so um, one of the things that I think can be uh, neglected when we approach those types of transitions is that sometimes we're opening the door for that person who's made themselves an obvious misfit in this group now, maybe there's she's a perfect fit on another team. And by opening that door, she's going to be able to find where she can thrive and grow. So as with the doctor, when you see the doctor and you say, doctor, you're kind of the issue here. We need to make these changes. Are you able to work? Have you ever had situations where you have that one person like you're talking about who just doesn't fit And you can really sit down and you say, you know, there's really a good team member there. We just need this team member to make some changes. Does that happen? You know, I think I differentiate myself um, as a coach from a consultant in the sense that I don't tell my doctors or even really strongly advise who they should and shouldn't keep. I help my doctors understand what they're thinking or you know help my CEOs understand which same thing with the doctors that they're that they're dealing with um, help them get really clear on what they want and strategize that rather than um, make recommendations on personnel I see okay um, before I get on I want to talk about confidence here in a second but you work with a lot of multiple practice owner groups like larger groups right? I do. How is the how is the coaching? Because then you've got layers of management and CFO and mm-hmm. IT and HR and all the stuff that goes along with owning multiple locations. How does your coaching differentiate when you're coaching with someone who owns multiple practices as opposed to someone who owns one dental office? Um, you know, you're right. It, I'd say, it, like you said, it, it's the layers. You know, there's a lot of change management when you talk about um, the groups, whether whether that's um, you know adding new associates or merging smaller DSOs into a bigger group or um, implementing new tech outsourcing, those types of things. And there's really not one definition or right way to implement change, especially those big transitions. 
But with change management, one thing is certain, and that's that we need everyone aligned and engaged in the movement and assuring that the human aspect of the organization is being addressed. And so one of the biggest oversights I'd say that we see is when an organization will expand or acquire a new practice or merge with another organization and neglect to put in place the right supports to facilitate the people component of those acquisitions. Um, One of the clients that I began working with fractionally as a cultural executive had acquired a few smaller groups and had a lot of great operational pieces in place, but had a lack in getting buy-in and creating that electric culture that they'd envisioned. And so luckily they had the awareness that things weren't going as planned and that it was lacking. We've begun making incredible gains. But I'd say that having alignment with the executive team and the stakeholders is crucial for a growing organization because whatever you're going to scale is going to scale accordingly. So if you've got dysfunction and disorganization, that scales. And I think it scales more quickly and more easily than organization and unity does. Okay. And one more thing on the DSOs. And again, we could do a whole podcast on how to, you know, (laughs) life coaching DSO owners. I get a lot of doctors who call me up and they go, you know, Art, I want to own 50 practices in the next three years. I want to own 10 practices by the end of this year. So what can you say to one of our listeners out there who says, you know, I do have some entrepreneurial spirit and I want to own multiple practices and I want to I want to do this and it's part of my plan and all this stuff. What would be the the mental brain coaching, life coaching aspect that you would say to somebody before they start that journey? Mm-hmm. So what I've learned, you know, I've had a handful of practices, a couple of dental businesses, dental life coach, of course. So, so I'm not, I'm, I'm speaking from experience and then also from the experience of my clients. What I would say is that um, particularly in, in uh, connection with stress and overwhelm that can come from owning businesses and building businesses is that your planning phase cannot be um, overlooked. In fact, I don't know if I can emphasize enough the importance of laying your plan out, having it in very manageable chunks. And you don't have to know every single step, but you do need to have the supports in place. And so you've got to have your accountants in place. You need to have your advisors in place. You need to have um, a clarity around where it is you want to go and what the next thing is you need to do and what that looks like for you. Uh, Because when we don't have clarity we get overwhelmed. It feels like so much. But really, when you break it down, you know, it's kind of like looking at a big laundry basket. It looks kind of daunting. But if you kind of break it down, you're like, well, there's just towels and then there's the whites and then there's some socks. It's not not as overwhelming because you can just do the towels now, come back and then do the whites and then do the socks. You know, maybe that's a bad analogy. (laughs) I'm I'm never able to match up. So I always have like single (laughs) socks. Maybe you can, maybe I can hire you as a consultant to help me to make sure that my socks match up. Can we do that? <laughs> you know what? My my husband taught me this really valuable lesson when we got married and it's that you don't fold the socks over each other. You just lay them on top of each other so the elastic stays intact. <laughs> uh, you know what? That made this whole podcast worthwhile for me. You're welcome. I mean, all the other stuff you said, are, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, let, like, there's so much I want to talk to you about. Talk about confidence. I know that, that a lot of people lack confidence. I, I, I can't do this. I can't go after what I want. I'm not good enough. I mean, that might even go back to childhood. 
that, that yeah. you know, people, people are told you're not capable. You, you, why would you do? I mean, I told my two boys and I talk about my two boys, uh, Nathan and Forrest. I love them to death. Um, they're both really great, great young men and very successful mm-hmm. in their own right. And I told each of them, you can do anything you want in this life if you put your mind to it. So talk about confidence, Chelsea. Why is that? That might be the linchpin of the whole darn thing that we're talking about today. And how do you coach people to be more confident? Okay, so confidence is really fascinating because it is not what we think it is. Somehow, when we're small, we have genuine confidence. And then when we grow up, we have this other version that we think that we're aspiring to have of confidence that does not exist. I want to go backwards. When we're adults and older people, we think that to be confident about something, we need some sort of proof that it can be done or evidence or past experience that points to our um, supposed success if we go this route. But if we go backwards to when we're little kids, when we're learning to walk or tie our shoes or reaching for a light switch, a lot of times those first times doing those things, there's no proof that we've done it before. There's no past experience having done it. We just assume we can do it and we keep trying until it works. You know, you keep reaching for that light switch until you can touch it. You keep trying to walk until you no longer fall. And so when we're paralleling that with our professional lives, presumably you've never been five years into the future, whatever that looks like for you professionally. So to have confidence to keep going and growing, it's not going to be because you've already been there. It's going to be because you're sure that no matter what that experience is like, you have the mental, emotional, and spiritual tools to get there. And if you don't, you need to access them. Get them in place now because that's where the true and underlying confidence is going to come from that we're all going to need to take those next steps and to sustain the motivation when things get really uncomfortable. And when everyone around you is going, you have four practices. Why do you need any more? But you really, really want 10. Um, You're going to need a level of confidence that doesn't come from proof or past experience. It only comes from the absolute determination and security that you have that you can do it. Like you told your boys, you could absolutely do it. Exactly. And I... I I, I've shared with my audience that I, I visited a clinical psychologist several years ago because there's some things. I mean, you know, yeah. I, just because you run a podcast doesn't mean that your life is perfect and wonderful and everything. My life is pretty darn good. I have no complaints. But the fact is, I had some issues in my life that I needed to talk to a professional about. Yeah. And this this doctor taught me about the difference between faith and fear and faith. And fear is, and I'll tell this story again. I've told it a couple of times, but I, I can't tell it more. I mean, it, it's really right there. So you got two people standing on one side of the river, Chelsea, and they got to get across the other side of the river. So the person who lives in fear says, I'm going to jump to the first rock, but I'm not going to the next step until I'm absolutely positive that that next step is guaranteed that I can get there. That's fear. And then she explains to me, the person who has faith goes to the first rock and says, you know what? This is going to happen. I'm going to get to the other side. It's just going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to find a way. 
I mean, is, is that a little bit about confidence and kind of what we're talking about here? Yeah, it really is. And then I think the other component to it is how we're talking to ourselves throughout that process. You see, the learning centers in the brain shut down when they feel threatened or humiliated or discouraged. And so parenting style, leadership style, and self-leadership style become really important if advancing is the goal. We need to be um, accountable, but approachable in our own self-talk and in our own um, coaching of ourselves as we move throughout, you know, from step to step or stone to stone. Well, as as it sounds like in the work, and again, I want to talk in a second here about personal awareness, but I, it sounds like in the work that you do, doctors, if if you're going to work with somebody like Chelsea and, and who's a life coach and who's going to help to get you to where your life is better, your practice is better, it's going to affect your personal relationships, your your, 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 your marriage, your family and everything like that, you know, as long as you have a really good attitude about it, if you're willing to change, if you're not willing to change, I know there's something wrong, but I like, I'm not going to change anything. I had a, I had lectured, God, Chelsea, 35 years ago, I was speaking in, I remember this was in Waco, Texas. And I walked <laughs> up to a doctor and this doctor says, well, Art, I like everything you said. Can you refer me to a dental management consultant? But I don't want to change anything in my office. Really? <laughs> Did you just say that to me? Uh-huh. <laughs> really? So, right. I, I, I mean, but the good news is most of the folks that, that come to you know that they want to make some changes. And, and that, that that's really important. So talk about personal awareness. I know that on your podcast and in your coaching, the articles you've written, you, you that's a really important thing. Um, I mean, how does it, how does personal awareness relate to creating success? You know, so where you spend your your thoughts and um, what your time in your head really looks like tells the future of your life and your goals. So your life is really evidence of what you think and believe. If I think and believe that my family is important to me, you probably will see me interacting with them and making time to have experiences with them. If I think that my my family can wait until I reach a certain benchmark at work or until I do X, Y, and Z personal things, you will probably see me doing those other things in place of spending time with my family. I'm not saying one of those is right or wrong. I'm saying that my actions will indicate what I'm thinking about. And so if we don't like the results in our life, let's take that example. Let's say I don't like that I'm doing 500 other things and not spending time with my family. I need to get really clear on what I'm thinking about and understand what I believe. And so there may need to be some adjustments in the way that I'm prioritizing so that all of the important things are taken care of. Or maybe I need to delegate some things. Or maybe I just need to accept that there are seasons for things and figure out which ones are really most important to me. But thoughts and beliefs are subject to change. And so saying that my family is important to me and saying that my business is important to me, those things can both be true. It doesn't make one more important than the other. It just means that at different times, I may find that there's a priority on one or the other uh, based on my current thoughts and beliefs. And as long as you're dealing with your family and your family knows, hey, listen, um, you know, we, we have, I mean, I had a client who had an associate dentist who walked out of the office with 60% of the practice. Well, that doctor had to, had to 
call time out and spend time on his practice. And that's what he had to do. That was really important. But uh, it's it's all about communications. So uh, we're getting, I'd love to talk to you for two days, Chelsea. This is just so <laughs> fascinating to me. And I hope it's interesting, folks, to you because, again, you know, the, the brain is a very, very interesting <laughs> thing. And Chelsea's brought in a lot of really great points about some of this. And one of the things I want to talk about is healthy habits, taking care of yourself. I mean, we're talking... We're not. We're talking about you know exercising, eating right, but but we're also talking about you know mentally and getting rid of bad habits that hurt your personal well-being. Talk about how you work with doctors on that. You know, um, our relationship with ourselves is so important, and so I found that the health lifestyle that you have. Um, impacts the energy that you operate from, which ultimately translates to your results in your life. And so um, if you think about it, like we've all had the experience where we've overeaten or we've um, experienced illness. And during these times when we're not feeling physically best, it's a lot harder, at least it's a lot harder for me to keep my mind healthy and active and focused on all of the important things because I am weighed down by the fact that I physically don't feel good. And so our physical health can't be neglected and it's not a crash diet. It's something that we do each day. So I encourage my clients to pick one thing that they can do to implement into their daily life and make a habit. It often helps if you have it, stack it. So if you have a morning habit of getting up at 6 a.m. and brushing your teeth, then you might before, after that brushing of your teeth, implement your habits. So a lot of people like to start with implementing a meditation if they don't already. Oh, and, I, I, let me let me stop you right there. Yeah. I, I when I went to the the therapist, she encouraged me, and I started meditating. And folks, I am not a clinical psychologist. I don't play one on TV. I am not qualified <laughs> to advise you. But I will tell you that meditation has changed my life. And and this is interesting, Chelsea. I, I want to share this because I, I do share stuff with my audience. Yeah. And what I do is I'll basically sit there for 10 or 15 minutes and I will just shut my eyes in a quiet place, both feet on the ground, and I'll go peace, calm. And I try and do it. And then things pop into your head and they pop in your head. You pop them out of your head and you start back again. At the end of the day, you look at your things and you say, you know what? Uh, and, and this is what she taught me is, you know, yeah, you've got these issues you worry about, but you've got all this support. You've got your wife, you've got your kids, you've got your best friend, you've got this, you've got that, you've got this, and 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 you can do this. And this is what, I mean, and again, I'm not giving a course on meditation because I'm not qualified to, but meditation has, it can really help people, can't it? Oh my gosh, it's just incredible. And I was going to ask you, do you have a favorite meditation style that you do? No, I just, I do what, I mean, sometimes I use the app Calm. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, our firm provides that. I think it's great. Uh, but I'll just sit there, I'll shut my eyes, and I'll just start relaxing and just say to myself, peace, calm, There's for 10 or ten minutes or so, I'll put a timer on. And then at the end, I'll think about something that I'm concerned about, and I'll go, well, this is how this is going to work, and this is how I'm going to get there, and, and and I can do this, and this is not a disaster. Right. And then that's kind of, I mean, it may not be the most scientific meditation, but, uh, you know, 
It's fantastic. You know, positive intelligence is one of the areas that I spent a lot of time researching. And one of the things that we learn is that we can train our brains to respond to us consistently in the ways that we want with that programming. Um, But it requires that we have a really good understanding of using that prefrontal cortex to be the director of what we want to think about and requiring our minds to stay focused on it. And so with meditation, um, like you were mentioning, things pop up even when you're trying to just um, have that clear headspace for the moment. The longer that we implement that meditation practice and the more that we require our brain to obey us rather than give us directives and give us things to think about, the better we're able to translate what we want in our life to actual realized goals. The other, and that's a great point. The other thing that I have realized through the process that I've gone through is that I really, I used to stress about things that I have no control over. Uh Here's a perfect example, folks. uh, Again, we're recording this podcast on the 27th of September and it's going to air sometime in October. So the stock market may turn around, but the stock market has gotten throttled. I mean, the Dow is down over 30%. The NASDAQ Mm -hmm. is down, I think, 23%. And you know what, guys? I have no control over what the stock market does. So I can't worry about it. Now, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying you shouldn't be looking and watching and making moves on that. But I've learned, Chelsea, in my life, I try my best that, Yeah, I worry about things that I do control and I try and change them, but things I have no control over. I have no control over, um, you know, what's going on in in Europe. I have no control over uh, a lot of things that, that, you know, and and I can't, because if I worry about them, I can't change them. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You know, I think one thing that we all agree on is that music makes us feel things. And I find it remarkable that we'll be really quick to change the song or the radio station if we don't like a song or the way it's making us feel or the memory it's creating. But we're really slow to change our environment of people if the people we've been hanging around are creating that negative energy or um, if the media that we're engaging in social media, you know, TV, whatever it is, is kind of a downer, it can be a little more tricky. And so it's really important going back to just being intentional and knowing what we're thinking and how we're feeling. It's really important to pay attention to those things. Because, you know, when I'm around someone who's got just a down attitude about life, I don't want to be around very long because I don't want to catch it. <laughs> right. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, I, I have met some people like that. And I just try and... Uh, Avoid them. We we need to put a bow on this. Unfortunately, I want you to hit some things. You have a you have a workshop on building trust within teams, which I think is really important. Talk a little bit about that, and then I want to just kind of one more chance to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about what services your company provides, and we'll give out the contact information and then uh, call it a podcast. So talk about your uh, team building. Um, uh, building trust within your teams and and your your workshop on that. And then a little more about what other services you offer. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, building trust on teams, is this has come from years of people just asking for similar types of trainings within their groups. And um, what we focus on with that workshop is that even when there's uncertainty and even when there are risks and changes and challenges, how do we create the results that we want 
um, while nurturing an environment that's open and safe for others. Um, and what that looks like is developing the trust so that there can be that emotional exposure that leads to rich conversations, that leads to problem solving and bonding as a team. Because, you know, our, the truth is, is that a lot, we have choices where to work, right? And, um, you know, we had the great resignation and then we had the quiet quitting. Now we have the quiet firing. I mean, we have all of these um, lack of cohesiveness yeah. <laughs> and different, uh, different, you know, tags and hashtags to go with them. But what it really boils down to is people are only going to stay if their perception of their experience at work is one that they want to repeat day after day. Right. And so we've got to create environments that people want to be in. Yeah. Um, what, so one more time, a little bit about what services you offer and contact information. And then I'll ask you to stay with me as I take the podcast out. So tell us again, you know, a little bit about the services, what you provide and, and how people can get a hold of you. Yep. So Dental Life Coach is a full coaching um, organization. I work with executives and doctors, and we have coaches that work with teams. We do workshops and retreats, one-on-one um, -on -one coaching, group coaching. Like I said, we have a really robust LMS system with um, videos and interactive courses, workbooks, um, and other supplemental materials. And so we really take care of our clients wherever they're at, depending on the goals that they're trying to meet. Um, our bottom line is that we want to increase revenue, improve retention. We want to have a culture that is exciting, that people want to be a part of that's scalable. And at the end of the day, we want our doctors to be making um, more money so that they can feel like they're fulfilled and successful in their lives. I mean, at the end of the day, Chelsea, I have always told people who are looking at hiring a, in your case, you're a life coach as opposed to a consultant, but hiring a consultant, whatever it would be, someone to help you with your business. They need to do two things. Number one, they need to help you increase your bottom line. And number two is they need to help you make your business more efficient, effective, and enjoyable. I mean, that that's pretty much what it comes down to what you guys do, right? It really does. And, you know, I'd say the one differentiator that we have is, you know, there are billions of dollars spent on leadership development every year in this country. But um, at Dental Life Coach, we're less than 10% of us actually attach our results to a bottom line. And so our clients know exactly where we're starting and they are able to see visibly on a map, on a graph, on a chart, um, how the coaching is impacting the results of the organization. Fantastic. One more time. How do we get a hold of you? If uh, And folks, if... Like I said, again, if you, if there's something that's not right and you need someone to listen to you and to maybe get a feel for what can we change? Because as we all know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So if you need some help, Chelsea, how can we get a hold of you? www.dental life.coach or chelsea c-h-e-l-s-e-a at dentallife.coach and i'm on linkedin chelsea myers m-y-e-r-s chelsea that was fun i love having conversations like this it just it, it, it i feel like i'm empowered myself i'm gonna go out <laughs> and lead something i don't know what i'm gonna lead i'll lead maybe maybe i'll lead my flowers in the front yard i don't know i'll figure something out but uh, thank you so much if you would hang with me um as I take the podcast out, thank you so, so much for your great, great information. Thank you. It was a lot of fun, Art. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for the honor and privilege of your time. I know how valuable that is. I'm 
very excited to be able to bring people like Chelsea Myers and, and the other folks that we've got coming up uh, to you because, again, my legacy, as I've told you before, 38 years of serving the dental profession, I want to be able to say at the end of the day that I helped people. I really do. I, I, I helped people and helping people is just so, so important. I'll, I'll just share one thing. I was at dinner with one of my uh, one of my dear friends, husband and wife, and, and um, the, the spouse uh, had uh, had a special birthday and they told us a story of one of their best friends who I didn't know um, where they were just had kids and all this stuff. And, the, and this individual, not a dentist, was 72 years old and was riding that we were talking about bicycling trips that I had just taken a bicycling trip to Italy. And um, this individual horribly, sadly, was hit by a drunk driver and killed. And what I did is, and this is not about promoting how I'm a wonderful person, but this is the type of stuff. I went to my friend and I said, listen, I said, if your friend, the, the surviving spouse has a great financial advisor, that's wonderful. If they just have some questions, I don't want her as a client. I don't want to make any money from her. If they need help on this stuff, just have her call me. This is the type of stuff that 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 we like to do, that I like to do. Why I love having people like Chelsea Myers on my program because you know, I want your lives to be better. Dentists are wonderful, wonderful, caring human beings. That's why I've been so honored and privileged to spend my life coaching them as a financial coach, if you will. Please go to our partner, Decisions in Dentistry magazine, www.decisionsindentistry.com. 140 fantastic clinical courses for a very, very reasonable price. Go to www.decisionsindentistry.com. If you need some help on your taxes, finances, metrics of your dental practice, who's going to win the World Series? I don't know. Uh, I told you my uh, my my protege who I coached in Little League, Shane Bieber, his Cleveland Guardians won the American League Central and we're excited that he's going to the playoffs. So since I can't root for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in the playoffs, I'm rooting for the Guardians. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but if you need any help, my, uh, my number is 657-279-3243. And my email is awiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at idbailey.com. And look at our Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org, 25 CPA firms across the country, of which we are uh, a member, in fact, a founding member that represents over 10,000 dentists. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much again for listening to the podcast. Uh, I hope this is helpful to you. And if you um, feel inclined and you uh, like what you heard, give Chelsea a call. Uh, we will see you next time on the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.